Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. Let's see. Um, somebody in the San Diego family, she Dear Lord, we thank you for this day that you have given us and added another day to our lives. And we thank you for this Bible study that we have, and that we have gathered in your name. And we pray that you, your spirit will be upon us, especially Brother George, when he teaches us your word. And help us to not only learn from it, but to apply it to our lives and to spread it to others so that they may turn away from the world and to turn towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Um, so, this evening, we'll look at a scripture in Second Kings. We've looked at it before, but I just feel God might want to speak to us afresh from it. So, Second Kings chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 1 to 7. Second Kings um, chapter 4. So can somebody read for us from verse 1 to 7, please? Sorry, what's the verse? From verse 1 to 7. Thank you. So the oil ceased. 
then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Well done. Very good. Thank you very much. Lovely. Very good reading. Wow. That's wonderful. Mm. Who says reading the Bible will not improve your reading? <laughs> excellent. <laughs> really excellent. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know very well, but I just feel the Holy Spirit will want us to trash it again to get spiritual wisdom for what he wants us to do even in these days and the days to come we know the story the bible says a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to elijah saying your servant my husband is dead that your servant feared the lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. I want us to understand the context and apply it to our own situation now. The Bible said, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha. Why did she cry out? She cried out because she was in a desperate situation she cried out because what she herself and her sons were passing through was not favorable the same thing applies to us beloved brethren we need to cry to god to come and help us even in the spiritual state we are in not necessarily personally of course it can be personal for some, but also as the body of christ in the world today look at the situation she said your servant my husband is dead this woman's husband was one of elisha's students one of the Bible students who kept learning the word of God, kept learning God under Elijah. And even for us now, beloved brethren, do you know that the heroes of faith, those men of God that walk with God, and God used them to affect their generation. The Bible said, they too are dead. You remember when God was talking to Joshua? He said in Joshua chapter 1, if you remember, God reminded Joshua, he said, Moses, my servant, is Do you remember in Joshua chapter 1? When God was trying to inspire and challenge Joshua to arise, the same thing, this woman cried unto Elisha and said, your servant, my husband, is dead. Now, the reason why this woman cried is because, and the same thing we need to cry as well. Beloved brethren and men of God, who God used, to bring down his presence in various situations and circumstances. The Bible said they are also dead. And honestly, the reason why we need to cry is because, you see, those men are not here to help us. Daniel is not here. Moses is not here. Joshua 
those great men of God, Moses, who used to see God, you know, he talked to God face to face. He's not here. He's dead. But look at the situation. The woman said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know your servant feared the Lord. Excuse me. Those men of God that we know, heroes of faith, did they not fear God? They feared God. They, they, because of their commitment and faith in God, God showed them mercy. And they did exploits for God. And beloved brethren, the same thing applies to us. These men, in fact, if we decide, if we want to even be a bit more contemporary, maybe we should say John Wesley, eh? Charles G. Finney, and the likes of them, Smith Wigglesworth, they are dead. If we want to become more contemporary, that's why I mentioned those names. A.W. Toza, great teachers of the word of God, they are dead. And that's why, beloved brethren, we need to cry. Because, you see, these people, God used them to affect a lot of people. Even Billy Graham, excuse me, is he not dead? He's dead. God used them to affect people. In their generation and I sense that even you know this woman crying to Elisha I want you to see it as she is crying to God she's not just crying to another man she's actually I know the Bible mentioned she cried to Elisha but for us we don't have any man to cry to because all of them are dead with any man to cry to. The only man, the only person we can cry to is God. So we notice here that she cried to Elisha. Now look at the, the bad situation. The Bible says, and the creditor is coming. Take, me, take note of it. The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Beloved brethren, if we do not cry to God to come and help us, the creditor, the devil, he will have a hand and make people his slaves. He has already started. Look at the scripture here. They said the creditor is coming. Is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Beloved brethren, if we do not cry, if we do not cry to, for God to help us, to give us boldness, to preach the gospel, to give us strength for him in this wicked world, excuse me, do you know what is going to happen? The creditor, the devil, he will come and make our sons and daughters his slaves. And you do not want to leave that legacy. You've opened the door of opportunity for the enemy to come and have a field day. We don't want that. That is why we need to cry. Cry, meaning we need to call on God. That's what I mean. It's not physical crying. It can be physical for some people but a genuine sense of despondency to look up to God for help. We need it. We cannot be comfortable with the situation on ground. Beloved brethren, do you know I went to, it was very shocking when I found out, there is a school in Manchester. Eh? The school St. Luke's Primary School. St. Luke's is a is a um, Anglican Church of England school, C of E school. But guess what? The pre, the head teacher of the school is a Muslim. If you go to that school now, 
you will think the school is an Islamic school. Teachers, students, most of the people there are, 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 are Muslims. St. Luke's. You know when they told me I did not believe until I went there physically to see for myself. It was like a organization is running a Christian school in quotes. Beloved brethren, we need to call on God that, we, that our sons and daughters will not become his slaves. Now, what is happening now, even amongst, I mean, we are hearing all these things again and again and again and again. Ungodliness is increasing. Morality is being pushed. Teenage girls are laughing at other um, girls who are keeping themselves. They are laughing. You know, when you keep yourself, you are becoming abnormal. You are abnormal. And they make a form of joking. They joke about it and say, oh, you are keeping yourself for what? Chastity and high moral standards is being thrown in way. And the Bible is saying, look at this woman's cry. The creditor is coming to take my two sons away. You see, beloved brother, whether we like it or not, we have become debtors. Remember what Paul said? Can you look at Romans? Let's look at it together. Is it Romans chapter 1? We'll come back to second. Look at verse verse 14. The Bible says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Look at verse 15. So, as much as is in me, I am ready. To preach the gospel to you also, to you who are in Rome also. Do you see how Paul is responding? Is responding to his indebtedness to men. This woman we are reading about, the creditor, because the husband owes the creditor. The creditor was coming to come and take his two sons to become his slaves. Beloved brethren, do you know the same thing applies to us in an allegorical way, or should I say illustratively? When you think about it, we all men, women, young people, we owe them we owe them the message of Jesus. And if we don't pay our debt, beloved brethren, the enemy will come and take us to be slaves. If we don't pay, if we are not conscious about paying our debt, we are going to become slaves to the enemy. And it's important to appreciate this. Let's not think we should let's not be comfortable and say well i'm okay as long as i'm eating drinking you know i have a roof over my head you know i'm paying my bills everything is okay the bible says what unto those who are ease in zion we cannot accept the present situation that is why the first response should be a cry unto god that's the first response Everything starts in the place of prayer. We, in the, we must not accept. You know, let's give a, another example. Do you remember Nehemiah? 
Nehemiah only heard about the terrible situation that was in Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down. He just heard the news. He hadn't seen it. Remember, he hadn't seen the situation in Jerusalem. He only heard the news. And what he heard drove him to the place of prayer. Should we look at Nehemiah? Let's open our Bibles. We'll come back to second. Let's look at Nehemiah. Chapter 1. Look at what happened. Can I... Can I just read it quickly? Nehemiah chapter 1. We start reading from verse 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Akaleah. He came to pass of Chislev in the 12th year. Sorry, in the 20th year. As I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananin, Hananin one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken. His gates are burned with fire. Verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Do you see Nehemiah's response? And he said, and I said, I pray, Lord, God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who have kept your covenant and mercy with those who love you. And observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive, eyes be open, that we may, you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. I'll stop there. Beloved brethren, please, I beg you, let us not be complacent about the situation in our community, in our environment. Let us take up the the, the arm of prayer and ask God for help. You see, if we don't, the next thing that will happen is the creditor will come and take our sons and daughters as his slaves. And let me tell you, it will. That's why we don't have an option here. But to cry unto God. You see, the matter of crying, the matter of calling on God is so important. When believers do not call on God for help, the situation continues and rottenness, corruption becomes the order of the day. Iniquity and sin abounds when Christians do not do God. You will see it consistently in the word of God. You will see it. Do you remember? The Bible said, a pharaoh arose that did not know Joseph. And what happened? That pharaoh organized and put the children of Israel in bondage. Joseph died. They didn't think at any point that, ah, God, the man that brought us here has gone. Lord, don't we need help? The Pharaoh who was, who was close to Joseph died. The Israelites did not think, oh God, come and help us. They sat down there. Until that other Pharaoh that did not know Joseph put them in bondage. 
not the first time. Maybe we should look at scriptures again. Please, permit me. Let us go to Acts. Is it Acts chapter? Yes. Acts chapter 12. Look at it. Acts 12. Let me read. You see, I'm just trying to emphasize why we need to pray. Anytime I want to establish to you from the word of God, anytime believers don't pray, the enemy can strike and strike at any time. Look at the word of God. Acts chapter 12 from verse 1. The Bible says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. Verse 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. It was as if the church suddenly saw, ah, they have caught Peter too. And I think the way they were thinking was if we do not pray, Peter will be slaughtered the way James was killed. And they started praying. And excuse me, what do you notice when the church began to pray? The Bible said, in verse 6, and when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone into the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and he stood off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Give yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said, put on your garment and follow me. So, verse 9, he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. <laughs> when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out. Peter wants it, and immediately the angel departed from him. Verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now, I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying. You see? Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, <laughs> she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood at the gate. Look at verse 15. Very interesting. But they said to her, you are beside... Oh. <laughs> they said to her, you are beside yourself. Can you are beside yourself. Yes, she kept insisting it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Can you imagine? Brethren were praying. God answered the prayer, and they did not believe God answered the prayer. Do you see that story? It's very interesting. Oh God, oh God, release Peter. 
Lord, release Peter, release Peter, Lord. Don't let them kill him the way they killed James, Lord. And as they were praying, God answered him. <laughs> it's very interesting. As it happened to you before, that you are praying a prayer and you do not believe God will answer the prayer. That does not happen yet. God just did it while they were still praying. And God released Peter. God brought him out. Because the Bible said the church prayed. Beloved brethren, let this be a challenge to you and me. To pray that the church will be more effective. To pray that God will give the church, the body of Christ, a platform to insist on righteousness, to insist on holiness. Now, yes, Kevin. And from this, it also looks like as long as you pray in accordance with God's will, it doesn't even matter if your faith isn't as strong as it should be, yeah. or you'd like to think it is. Yeah, no. Yes, <laughs> I agree. But you see, all I was just highlighting was God answered God answer the prayer. God answered it. We're telling the lady, excuse me, you must be mad. Oh, Peter is at the gate. The man we are praying for, God has it is Excuse me, wait, 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 wait. Young girl, have you eaten today? I think maybe you are eat. Hypoglycemia, lack of glucose in your brain, might be causing you to be confused. Go and drink. You know this fasting can cause trouble for some people. I think it's causing trouble for you. <laughs> they told her, you are beside yourself. Like you said, Kevin, as long as we pray according to his will, it's important. We're not just asking us to start praying some prayers that have no no foundation in the word of God. No. All God is asking us is to take responsibility on his behalf. Look at it. The, the Bible said Herod stretched forth his hand and seized Peter. The church, the church said, no way. We are not accepting this. And they went. You see, this is encouraging my heart. They went to the place where power, spiritual power, is engineered, the place of prayer. You know, if it's in this generation, you know what the church will do first? They will go and write petition. <laughs> they will send petition around, sign. People are more inclined to do petition, to talk, they don't pray first. They think prayer does not work. They think prayer is old-fashioned. How can you say we should pray? We have to do something. And there is no faith in prayer anymore. Petition. As long as you get 2.5 million signatures, they will listen. Excuse me. Who told you? Is the word is prayer that does the work? Look at that widow. She cried. Nehemiah cried. God is challenging us to go back to the place of prayer. It's so important. And you will see in that second Kings why the secret place is so important. Let's go back to Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings 4. She cried. She prayed and said, Lord, the creditor is coming to two sons to be slaves. And look at, I see God, you see, like I said, we're just using Elisha here to represent God in a sense. Look at, look at what Elisha said to her in verse 2. Look at the question. What shall I do for you? Beloved brethren, do you know that when you take matters to God in prayer, that is the, one of the best things, in fact, the very essential thing to do. You, you go to God, the Almighty, the maker of heavens and earth, 
and present the matter before him. The Bible is telling us, the question was asked that, what shall I do for you? And, you know, it just teaches me how I should be specific. I should be clear-minded in the place of prayer. Tell me, what do you have in the house? That was the question. So they asked her, what shall I do for you? And then the next thing, you see, prayer comes in facets. It comes in... When you pray, God raises... I have found it, I found out personally that when you start praying concerning a situation, you will see God directing you on what to do. It's not first of all, you do something, then you pray. Once you come to God sincerely in the place of prayer, God we start ministering to you quietly what you need to do. Look at what the woman encountered. The first thing she did was she cried. She cried. And that, each, that cry, a cry of helplessness, a cry of, Lord, come and help me. And it is always consistent. Like I said, this issue of prayer is consistent in scriptures. Look at look at another story. You a story you know very well. Just go to chapter six. It's the same thing. They went to cut trees, so that the sons of the prophets, and they went with Elisha. The Bible said. As one of them, look at verse 5. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the axe, iron axe head fell into the water. The Bible said, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, it was borrowed. He cried, Lord, have mercy. My falling into the water. And it was borrowed. Have mercy. Help me. The man did not just ignore the situation. He cried. And that also applies to us as well. When you lose your cutting edge as a Christian, do you just explain it away? Or you also cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. My accent is lost. Do you just accept when you backslide or when you do things that you should not do or you cry out and say God have mercy help me or we just explain the way and say well God understands there is no element of remorse no element of crying to him for help we must not adopt that situation You know, so it's so important that we have the tendency, we are very quick at crying on to God. We must have that tenderness of heart. That we are once there's a situation ground, you cry straight. That should be your automatic reflex response. And it is in the place of prayer you receive instructions on what to do. You don't go and do things first. And then you say, you know, I come and pray and say, Lord, rubber stamp what I've done. You pray first, receive instructions. Look at this man cry. So, so he said, Alas, master, exactly. Who is this? Who is our true master? The Lord Jesus, read it. Put yourself in this story. You lost your cutting edge as a Christian. You lost your spiritual sensitivity. You've lost your, your, your passion for God. And you cry and say, Lord, help me. And the Bible said in verse 6, So God said, where did it fall? You see, it is when you cry that God steps in and says, Okay, what's the problem? How can I help you? 
you've lost your cutting edge. Where exactly did it fall? Where did you lose it? So that you can be restored again. Every time people cry to God, God brings restoration. If you look at the story of the children, it's very interesting. Maybe we should do it. We should look at it. Go. Let's go to Exodus. Just see the progression. The children of Israel. Maybe we should just do a quick study. Exodus. Talking about the Israelites and how they entered bondage and the response of the children of Israel. Look at it. Verse. Exodus chapter 1. Verse, verse 8. You know, the Bible had already said that the children of Israel were expanding, multiplying, they grew exceedingly mighty. Verse 8 now says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier, are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal surely with them, lest they multiply. And it happens in the event of war, they also join our enemies and fight against us. Verse 11. Therefore, they set tax masters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh several cities, Bithon and Ramses. And the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. And there were in the dread of the children of Israel. Do you notice that as they set master, tax masters over them with burdens, I did not hear, I did not see any prayer there. Let's continue. Verse 13. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In, in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Did you see any cry from the children of Israel? No. Let's keep reading. Then the king of, king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was um, Shipra and the other was Puna, and he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and on the bedstool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall leave. Can you imagine a terrible decree? Killing of babies. That decree was sent. There was no cry. There was no prayer. And I thank God for those midwives. They feared the Lord and did not do what the, the, the king wanted. Verse 18. So, the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and saved the male children alive and all that? Do you see? Look at verse 22. I'm just going because of time. So, Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Excuse me. With all these decrees, did you hear of prayer by the children of Israel? God, come and help us. We didn't say anything. Let's keep reading. If we enter chapter 2, we now saw how God, in his mercy, started organizing their deliverance. But this took a long time. Look at it. Um, just because of time, I will leave um, that chapter 2. Sorry. We will leave chapter 2 and we will go into chapter 3. The Bible talked about there, talked about Moses and everything. Now, I want you to go to the end of chapter 2. Look at chapter 23, no, sorry, chapter, uh, verse 23 of chapter 2. 
The Bible says, now it happened. This was after Moses ran away. Now the, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned, groaned because of it, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and acknowledged them. Excuse me. This was after 400 and something years. For the first time, we hear that the children of Israel groaned. Groaned, translated into a cry. And it was their cry, the Bible said, came up to God. Excuse me, do you know that the children of Israel, while they were suffering through all this bondage and bitterness, excuse me, do you think they would have been complaining in their houses? Eh? Do you think they have been saying, oh, these Egyptians, they are just torturing us. This is terrible. Do you know? God heard those complaints. But... God does not respond to complaint. He responds to cries. God does not respond to murmuring. He responds to cry. To a definite request from your heart. Asking him for help. That is what God responds to. The children of Israel could have been complaining in their houses. Imagine them entering their house. Oh, see the back, see my back. See how, see how that Egyptian just whip me. Excuse me. Is that equal to praying to God? No. They can murmur and come themselves. But God is saying, I have not heard them talk to me. I have not heard them cry. But when they cried, look at this. They cried out. And their cry came up. To God because of the bondage. So what's God teaching us? What's God emphasizing to our hearts today? He wants us to take our prayers serious. God hears. Let's not think he doesn't hear. He hears our prayer. That's the word of God. The prayers come up to him. And the Bible said at the end of that verse, God looked upon the children of Israel and in verse 25, and he acknowledged them. And look at chapter 3. When God was now talking to Moses, look at what God said. Very interesting. When God was trying to tell Moses, I'm sending you to these people. Well, what did God say? Look at it. Seven. God said in chapter um, Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 He says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen The oppression of my people Who are in Egypt And I have done what? Heard their, their cry Because of their taskmasters For I know their sorrows So I have come down You see As they cried God said, I am coming down I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. To bring them up from that land to a good and large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all those parasites. God was going to displace the parasites and put the children of Israel there. All because they cried. So what's this teaching me? What should this teach you? Please, let us not take our prayers for granted. Let's learn. Let that be the next um, automatic response. I know it is only natural that you first of all complain. And you don't complain to yourself alone. You complain to everybody else. But God is saying, I have not heard your cry. You've not asked me anything. 
What do you want? You've not even said anything. But I've heard you complain here, complain there. You've complained on Facebook. You've complained on Instagram. You've complained on WhatsApp. God is saying, you have not the throne of grace yet to talk to me. But you've done everything else. That's the challenge. Can God help us that our heart is eager to bring our petition to him? First thing, that should be your default response. And that's what we see here. God heard their cry and he said, now I am come down. Look at it. And I'm, I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down. You see, God was, when the Bible says, so I have come down. Why is God saying, so I have come down? It's as a response to the cry. I'm praying that God will help us. That we will we will not be like the children of Israel who waited several years before they started crying. Let that be our response. Default. First response. To call on him. It be the part and parcel of our way of thinking. You pray straight away. You don't just want to do things in your strength. You call on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has everybody's hearts in his hand. And he can turn it anywhere he wants. Let that be our first response. This scripture is challenging me so strongly because God responds to our cry. He doesn't respond to the grumbling and murmuring. In fact, the complaints and murmuring annoys God. It makes us not to be not to be doing the right thing before him. It was because of all this murmuring in the wilderness that the children of Israel lost their relationship with God. Most of them, because of murmuring, they did not allow God to move and do what he wanted to do in their lives. And the Bible said, with many of them, he was not pleased. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They murmured, and murmuring became unbelief. They didn't believe his word again. Despite the fact that they had seen the hand of God and his works. You know, may God help us that our hearts are so tender that we are we automatically are used to crying unto him. It's not a sign of weakness, beloved brethren. Actually, when we are used to crying unto him, that is where we get strength from. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You can look in yourself. What do you have? How much strength do you have? What can your strength even do? You can't do anything. Your strength can only be in the Lord. And it is in this place of crying unto him, in the place of prayer, that you can be strong in the Lord. You cannot be strong in yourself. Your power can do nothing. In fact, your power is, is an abomination in a sense. God wants you to cry unto him. God wants you to rely totally on him. So that he can, he can show forth himself strong even God is looking for people who have no other dependence on anything else but on him. That's it. I pray that this kind of heart will be our, our default position. So, please can we just go quickly to that second king and then we'll I'll just take up a few a few thoughts there or one or two thoughts and then we round up look at it it was in the place of prayer when she cried God now asked in a sense to Elisha what shall I do for you tell me what you have in the house look at it and she said your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil 
Do you see that it is what the woman had that God used to bring deliverance to her? That God used to bring us um, financial success? It was what she had. The same thing with the children of Israel. Do you know God did not export one Moses from somewhere else? Moses was a child of Israel, was a, was a Jew. The same thing the Jews had was what God used to conquer the enemy. Look at this story here. She said, What do you have in your house? He made said, he made, I have nothing except a jar of oil. Oh, I pray you understand the spiritual implication of that statement. If they ask you, what do you have? What will you say? Well, you know, this woman only said what she had. She did not regard that the clothes she had was anything. She did not regard that the sons she had was anything. She mentioned a jar of oil. And for me, what does that represent spiritually? Oil represents the spirit of God. Oil represents. I've heard people say it. And you know, it just used to pass my mind, but I, I, I used to take it casual. You ask them, what do you have? <laughs> I only have God, though. I only have Jesus. And beloved brethren, that is the right thing to have. Even if you have money, you know that that money is useless. Excuse me. Look at the situation we are in. Is, is money helping that have COVID? You know they have money to travel. They can't travel now. <laughs> Travel. They are eager to travel. Oh, I, I, book, I have 6,000 pounds set aside for a wonderful holiday in Ibiza. Then I go to um, um, where are these sun seeking places again? <laughs> they can't go. Why? Money is it's not, it doesn't hold anything in these circumstances. For her, she only had God. She only had this jar of oil. And I pray that you will cherish what you have as only Jesus. I pray that when they ask you, what do you have? You will not talk about your money in your bank account. I hope you will not say, oh, I'm intelligent. I have intelligence. I hope it is only God who is my rock and stay. I only have this jar of oil. And beloved brethren, if we are talking about stopping the credit of the devil eh, from putting our sons and daughters, putting us in bondage, what will your money do? Your money can't stop the enemy from putting you in bondage. Look at it. This jar of oil was what God to pay off the debt of this woman, of this family. Remember, she cried unto the man of God and said, and said, your servant, my husband is dead. But the enemy is coming to take his sons as slaves because he has not finished paying his debts. Beloved brethren, we too, we need to finish paying our debts before we leave the surface of this earth. And it's the God in your heart, the message of Jesus in your life, that you are going to use to pay this debt. Beloved brethren, we are debtors to all men. We need to pay our debts before we leave. If you don't finish paying your debts, some people will suffer for it. If you don't pay your debt by preaching the gospel, by shining the light of Christ and 
as God will help you, as the opportunities arise, you are helping others to know him and know him more deeply. And you are keeping your debt until you leave this side of eternity. If you don't do those things, you are going to put people, you are indirectly putting people in bondage. That was what was happening here. And we thank God. She, she, she mentioned the right thing. She did not say, all I have is this house. She didn't say, all I have is, is the clothes in my wardrobe. All I have is this job. May God grant us understanding. Because of time, I will stop here. But, beloved brethren, the prayer point is this. Can God help me and you to be more attentive to our prayers? And if you notice, everything she did, pouring oil into the jars, you know, and all that was done in secret. It was done behind prayer and that will that will affect lives is not done first of all in public is done in the secret if we are going to be effective in our generation for god please we need to revive the secret place in god's presence do you know a lot of it's because we are we have written what Jesus said, and we thank God for that. But most of Jesus' teachings to the disciples, to the disciples, not to the crowd, was done behind closed doors. Not everybody had access to those teachings. The teachings that are affecting lives today was not done on a on a big stage. The someone on the mount, excuse me. Was it not only to a few? Matthew chapter 4, or sorry, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Great teachings that if you follow those teachings alone, excuse me, you are on your highway to heaven. Great teachings. It was not done with the crowd. It was done in the secrets with the disciples. If we are going to be effective, beloved brother, let your secret place, your secret, it like fire for God. And we saw it here. The instruction was borrow vessels, shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and pour into those vessels. The secret life. The door must be shut. It's not done in public. Because we think that the public life is where the stage is. And that is more effective. Actually, for you to be effective in the public, your secret life needs to be in order. It's not that you will have... I mean, if God wills, He can put you in the public. That's fine. But when your secret life, the secret place is in ruins, your personal altar, is, is damaged. Don't expect to build a public order. It won't, it won't amount to anything. It will just be show. Empty show. There will be no power there. Your inner man must be alive. The secret heart must be in order with God so that you can affect lives outside. Beloved brethren, Let's, let's, let's attend to these items of prayer. That's the issue. And I trust that as we are attentive to it, the Holy Spirit will help us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, actually, let me share um, a testimony that um, I have read. And uh, there is like a because uh, she got divorced with the husband and then they have a teenager son, only one son. So um, after the divorce, obviously the teenager, you know, became so rebellious and then um, involved in uh, alcohol and drugs. And then the mother um, 
came to know Jesus. And then when she came to know Jesus, she started to pray for, you know, her son. She cried unto the Lord. And then um, the teenager, one time, you know, she's so fed up of his life. And then one time, um, he met somebody and shared the word of God. And then uh, he got invited to go to a church. And after that, God, uh, you know, had uh, touched his heart and eventually, you know, became a Christian. And then when uh, he had his testimony, he said that I'm, uh, my mother played a big part in my salvation because every time um, I go home and I'm my mom, she's always praying for me that I will come to know Jesus. So, you know, it is so... Um, inspiring about this testimony that the mother cried unto God so both of them became saved already and also with the songs give me oil in my lamp keep me burning so that should be also our prayer that the the oil in our lives uh, you know will keep burning and burning so that we will be able to uh, save other people infecting them the lives that we have, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's all I can share. Amen. Right, so let's go to our prayer. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 